How would you like to have a TSA agent check your bag while humming? Or how would you like to have someone lick clean your ear? Or measure and prepare you for your coffin? Well, evidently, some of us would. Today's show is a matter of tingles and ecstasy for at least some of us. I'm Dr. Alan Campbell, and this is Watching America. All my life, watching America. All my life, it's panic in America. Oh, 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 trouble in America. From WHRV Norfolk, this is Watching America. Half a century back, there was a commonly used phrase. It was pillow talk. And despite Doris Day's rather brash vocalization, it actually referred to the intimate whispers of lovers in bed. Pillow talk, pillow talk. Another night I hear myself talk, 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 talk. Wonder how it would be to have someone to pillow talk with me. Now it is possible to experience the implied delight of whispering intimacies as if one were in bed with their legs intertwined with a lover beneath satin sheets. The only thing required to participate in this imagined pleasure is simply a pair of earbuds. The persons that provide such fantasy fare are known as ASMR, artists and practitioners. Now, if you will continue to listen to Watching America, I promise to return to my regular voice as I introduce my first guest. I am utterly thrilled to have our next guest on Watching America. He is Dr. Craig Richard of Shenandoah University. But he wasn't always at Shenandoah University. He actually did his studies elsewhere in New York, where he received, amongst other things, a PhD in physiology and cell biology from Albany Medical College, indeed, in the Empire State. Of late, he has turned his attention to a thing known as ASMR, Sounds like asthma, but not to be confused, of course, with the with the lung disorder. Now, in actual fact, it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Now, if you've been on YouTube a little bit, you probably have encountered perhaps uh, various persons, typically female, to be honest with you, um, who will make various sounds. And what it does is it's basically a binaural sound system whereby you recreate, to the best of one's ability, what we perceive as normal sound. Although there are stimulating facets, well, I've said enough. It's more important that you hear the professional and expert regarding this matter. So please welcome with me Dr. Craig Richard. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Dr. Campbell. Uh, please call me Alan. That'd be great. May Thank I call you, you Craig? Yes. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes, okay. You can call me Craig. All right. Tell me how you got involved with this phenomenon. In 2013, I'd never heard of the term, and the, the term autonomous sensory merging response or ASMR had already been coined at that time. But I was listening to a podcast, and the episode was about autonomous sensory meridian response. And I was listening to it in my kitchen. And when the episode started, I was very dubious. It was something I'd never heard of before. And I'm a physiologist, and it sounded sure, sure sounded like a physiological term. And they just said people are watching these videos on YouTube. They're getting super relaxed. It's helping them to fall asleep. Some are even using it to help themselves with their anxiety or insomnia. And I was very dismissive until they gave the example of Bob Ross. And so Bob Ross is a television show that was in the United States. And it was the full name was Bob Ross's Joy of Painting. And it was this gentleman who was super kind had a very soft and delicate voice and he painted on the canvas in a very, just a, a gentle, 
um, helpful way. Hey, welcome back. Certainly glad you could join us today. I thought today we'd do something that's really cold, so you better get out your big coat and put it on. With a knife, take some pure titanium oat. Let's take Prussian blue, midnight black. Put some alizarin crimson in it. Maybe even a little Van Dyke. Good dark color. Predominantly blue, though. Pull it out as flat as you can get it. And with that, we'll make a nice little shadow color. Just blue and white. There. Good cold color. When I was a kid, I'd come home from school, turn on his TV program, and it would just turn my brain to fuzz. <laughs> and I, I'd end up falling asleep on the floor while just watching him paint. And in this podcast episode, they mentioned that if you're super relaxed by Bob Ross, you may experience ASMR. Just as an aside, I have to check this out, but I believe somebody told me, and we'll check it out to be sure, that Bob Ross was actually at one time a drill sergeant. And I, I, he was a drill sergeant and was rather shrill with his voice and professionally for some years had to yell at people. I don't know if he was at Paris <laughs> Island or where he was. And the irony in juxtaposition that later in his life, he'd be this source of calm. But anyway, do go on, sir, about, about the effect that Bob Ross had on you and subsequently this ASMR. Yeah, and you're right about Bob Ross. Uh, he was a drill sergeant, and there is a great irony and, and curiosity there of how he went from knowing to use his voice for loudness to use his voice for mm. in a soft, gentle manner. I guess it's hard to talk about happy trees when you're when you're out, you know, <laughs> trying to instill fighting <laughs> qualities in men and women. Yeah, it might have been his own therapy of just taking time to be gentle on the canvas. And so this episode about ASMR in this podcast they gave more examples of moments that tend to stimulate ASMR in individuals. And they said moments with hairdressers. Mm. And that also piqued my interest because whenever I've gone to get a haircut and whether it's the, the rinsing, you know, when they tip your head back in the oh, sink yes, and they yes. wash it and they shampoo it and yes. they run their fingers through it. And then also the cutting, you know, yes. just the sound of the snipping. It's a long distant memory for me. I'm follically challenged, but how I go back <laughs> nostalgically to when I used to be able to put my head back into the oval U-shaped bowl and have my hair rinsed. It was great. Exactly. It's just so relaxing. And I thought everyone was super relaxed by this, but it turns out not everyone is to the extent where I remember thinking when I'd be getting haircuts, I'd pay someone just to pretend to cut my hair. <laughs> it was that relaxing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they gave more examples of clinicians. When you're getting this one-on-one -on -one attention mm. from a clinician, and they're using that, or whether you call it a clinical tone or just this monotone voice, it's just always been very relaxing to me. And they'll just, you know, they'll check your pulse, they'll check your, your lymph nodes just at your neck by touching your neck gently. And they might put the stethoscope on your back. And all of that would just super relax me. Mm. And it just explained, basically, that's what people are imitating in these online ASMR videos, is they're recreating these interpersonal moments of someone being kind and helpful to you. There's far more expansive levels of which we can talk about, and I will, but you, you've raised the point of basically uh, feeling as though it recreates a sense of one being significant and important. And if you go on, obviously, YouTube, you see various personalities. For instance, there's, Ma there's Maria of Gentle Whispering, uh, mm -hmm. a, a former Russian lady of Russian descent living in, in Maryland now. And she has literally millions upon millions of millions of listeners. But I, I don't think I'm out of league by saying there is a, uh, well, an imbued eroticism potentially uh, with this whispering, particularly with the female voice to a male and the counterpart male voice to a female. And does this propagate a false sense of intimacy? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's dangerous or injurious in any way. Um, it might even be helpful. But do you suppose that there is such a thing, because you have people who, uh, admittedly rest in bed at night and they put in their earbuds and they may have their wife or their husband next to them. Meanwhile, um, you know, surreptitiously in, in another way, they're kind of having an oral affair. I mean, is that too far flung for me to say? It can happen for some people viewing these videos or listening to these voices, but it's not inherent to the SMR experience. Okay. 
because ASMR can be stimulated by a parent to a child, best friends that are nine or 10 years old, or between someone at your school checking your eyes, you know, mm. and none of those are erotic moments. That's true. But all of those stimulate this feeling of deep relaxation that is the hallmark of ASMR, usually associated with brain tingles, which is kind of a, a signature aspect of ASMR. So it's more about the voice and the relationship. And that relationship, the core of it is kindness. It's not sexual. Yes. It's not eroticism. Right. Now, what can happen, you've described a good situation or an appropriate situation, is if you find the person who's whispering to you physically attractive, then you can go from an ASMR response to perhaps a sexual response. But that's not inherent to the ASMR. That is you feeling like this woman or this individual is physically attractive, and you just may be in an arousal mood. Mm -hmm. So several studies have shown that most people who experience ASMR do not describe it as a sexual response. Now, that all also have shown <laughs> that about 5 to 10% of people who watch these ASMR videos do feel sexually aroused. But then another study did something very important. They compared people watching these ASMR videos to people watching non-ASMR videos, so just talking heads. Mm -hmm. And it was the same percent of people that were sexually aroused. It didn't matter what the video was that they were watching. You just might be in that state and just might find that person attractive. So if you have a propensity to be sexualized anyway and you're thinking you're saying, then, then it's not surprising that such individuals will um, ascribe a sexuality that may not otherwise be apparent. Yeah, they may feel sexually aroused because they find that person attractive. I see. Another way to think of it is a yoga video. Say someone's in a video and they're demonstrating yoga moves to you. Mm -hmm. We know as a, as a society that yoga is not a sexual exercise. It's not a sexual response. So if you're in a sexual mood and you find that person sexually attractive, of course you can be sexually aroused. But that's not the intent of yoga videos. Well, let's go to the part that you addressed of feeling significant, feeling loved, certainly being the recipient of attention, which, which many people badly need. I was wondering, doing the research on you and on this topic in general, if there's been any investigation regarding people in comas. When somebody's in a coma, we've always heard the story that if you play their favorite music, there are these dramatic exceptions and examples where we have people who have come back to consciousness because their favorite artist has been played on a, on a headset over and over and over. If loved ones are heard to speak or if they were to record themselves and through this system have it played back in a headset because loved ones can't be giving attention to the person who's in a coma 24 hours a day. Has there been any right. experiments or recorded examples of this being applied to people who are in severe comas? I, I think that's a great idea. I'm not aware of any research that has been done where they've used recorded voices for people in comas. I wouldn't be surprised if it has been done but I'm not aware of it. I'm pretty confident it hasn't been done for ASMR style talking and whispering. Um, but I can definitely see the benefit of it because, you know, you can have this uh, voice that you associate with a lot of fond memories mm. that can kind of be supportive and helpful of kind of tapping into you and, and helping you in that coma and maybe come out of that coma. So, yeah, I don't know of any research, but I think it's a great idea. Is there other medicinal, if you will, experiential application to ASMR that's been applied for anything as far as uh, perhaps helping people with rheumatism or, or I'm basically talking about holistic methods of healing that you may have encountered or you suspect might be being considered? So far, a lot of the benefits of ASMR for different conditions are self-reported. Uh -huh. So what we do have is a lot of survey research where people are asked, how does ASMR help you? And the main responses are, it helps me to reduce my stress. Your research is, uh, is, is really prolific. Um, I should point out to our listening audience that Dr. Richard 
is the coordinator of also the largest database of ASMR, and that's over 25,000 participants. And mm-hmm. uh, in addition to this, you're a co-author, a uh, peer-reviewed publication you began called um, uh, basically ASMR, looking at brain scan studies. And so you certainly have a ample supply of uh, participants responding and saying about their own experience. Uh, what experience has any participant had that has surprised you the most? Well, I think all the conditions that people report, like they'll report it's helpful for chronic pain, fibromyalgia, uh, perhaps even ADD and depression. Um, maybe the one that surprised me the most is drug addiction. Wow. Where people have reported that watching these ASMR videos have been helpful for dealing with drug addiction. And when I kind of listen to what they're saying and look through really how it helped them, it boils down to a pretty simple explanation that because these ASMR videos are good at helping you to relax and fall asleep more easily, what they're really helpful for are the symptoms of all these other conditions. So if you have chronic pain, you're going to be stressed because of it and you're going to have trouble falling asleep. If you're dealing with drug addiction and you're going through withdrawal, then you're going to have added stress and you're going to have trouble falling asleep. And sure enough, that's really the way ASMR videos are helping these other conditions. So so, there's just so much reporting of them being helpful for other conditions. But I think it does boil down to just helping people to relax and fall asleep more easily. I recently did a show, we did a show for Watching America from Abbey Road Studios in London. And while I was there, I spoke with a man called Merrick Stiles. He's the head of audio products for Abbey Road in development. And he was sharing about how we perceive sound. So going into the technical side just a a little bit, when we hear sound, um, we hear it through our ears, but we also actually have the presence of sound that hits our face. And once he brought this to my attention, I'd never thought about this before, but I could actually feel his voice, the waves, if you will, of the voice moving air particles um, against my sinuses. And he said, people hear that way all the time. They don't think about it. As far as the technical sound, and I do not expect you to be uh, an audio technician, can one reproduce in a binaural setting sound to that acuity, to that uh, degree of accuracy where you can almost have sound from above, sound from back and around? Because I know certain companies are trying it. There's a special audio company and technique employed by OSSIC, OSIC, um, that are trying to bring that about. Uh, are you aware of the development in the technology itself? Yeah, what you've described pretty accurately is binaural sound. So binaural sound is when you record something that reproduces it the way a human would actually hear it. And the most accurate way to do that is to create a dummy head with dummy ears where that shape of the head and the shape of the ears best simulate the shape that the sound waves are going to hit before they go into your ear canals. And so these dummy heads have the microphones inserted inside the ear canals. And this allows you to hear what's referred to as 3D sound or binaural sound, because you're right, the sound waves are shaped by the way they hit your face and the way they hit the inside of your ears before you hear them and perceive them. So a lot of these ASMR artists in these ASMR videos they use these binaural heads with these microphones built inside these fake heads with these fake ears to best simulate how you would actually hear those those sounds. And that does help make it more realistic. So in the time that you've been following this, since I think you said 2013, have you seen major developments along the way? Yeah. Um, and even looking into the history of it, the first ASMR video was made in 2009 And that individual just used a cell phone to record that video, you know, meaning the audio and the video. But now today, they are using these very expensive binaural dummy heads uh, to record these videos to get that more realistic sound. And then the video quality has improved dramatically since, you know, a 2009 phone to now they're using top-end video equipment. 
Now, you spoke earlier about, obviously, it being deeply relaxing, and yet there's this reference to pleasurable brain tingles. And I have listened to ASMR uh, recordings, and I've been anticipating the brain tingle, and I haven't got it. And I suspect maybe because I'm not doing it long enough. I mean, should I be doing it for more than 20 minutes? Is Is there a time length before somebody gets the, I guess, internal vibration? I mean, how does that work? Well, I guess the, the first thing to know is that it could be that only 20% of the population can experience brain tingles. We know that not everyone does. The exact percentage hasn't been determined yet. So there's the chance you may not be able to, but I would have you proceed more optimistically than, than, than that. Okay. So one way to visualize these ASMR videos is like a food buffet. So you want to sample as much as you can to find that one food item that is your favorite. So you want to sample as many ASMR videos as you can, because it may be a certain person doing a certain thing, maybe with certain equipment that really resonates with you, just the way food kind of resonates with you differently for other people. So I think just to keep sampling ASMR videos until you do find one that and it does work for you. When you get into the, the, the fuzzy phase that you've described, it strikes me as being very much like an alligator on his back. You know, that whole thing of when you rub the alligator's tummy, they go into la-la land. I mean, is that, is that what happens when the tingle uh, transpires? That's a pretty good description. Meaning if you can visualize whether it's a human, an alligator, or bonobo monkeys that are grooming each other, when you get into this super relaxed state, that is a lot of like ASMR. And so instead of maybe visualizing the alligator, um, if you do visualize like a couple of monkeys in a, in a nature documentary that you've seen where one sits behind the other one mm-hmm. and the one sitting behind the other one is grooming it. But what they're probably doing is picking out whether it's bugs, it's parasites, it's twigs, whatever it is, but they're, they're going through the other animal's fur. Look at that monkey in the front, and you will see a very relaxed monkey. Same thing as with humans. You know, if you see one human playing with another human's hair very lightly, you'll see that person super relaxed. Or if you've experienced that, you know, whether it's from a hairdresser or a friend or a partner who's just lightly playing with your hair, it puts us into this relaxed state because our brain is basically saying, this other person is trying to help you somehow. So go ahead, just relax. You don't need to run away. You don't need to go into fight or flight, but just go into a relaxed state and allow them to help you. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Watching America. My guest, fortunately, is Dr. Craig Richard. I say fortunately because he is the authority on ASMR. And if you've just joined us, you may say, what is that, pray? It's autonomous sensory meridian response. Now, uh, the meridian part, I presume, means center, correct? Yeah, it, the meridian was chosen by Jennifer Allen, the woman who coined the term in 2010. And she chose the word meridian because she was looking for somewhat of a substitute term for the old term, which was head orgasm. Okay. And so she chose meridian because one of the definitions she, she found for it was a peak moment. And so she kind of substituted the word orgasm and, and used the word meridian instead. Okay. Now, by sidetrack, isn't that a, a very strong admission that there is a very carnal sexual aspect to it? Then, I mean, I, I know that you stepped back from that and you said that it's only a minor right. part to it. But, I mean, if the woman who coined the term originally, used the term orgasmic or referred to orgasm, doesn't that kind of, you know, fold in on itself again and saying, hey, we have to acknowledge that there's a very sensual mm-hmm. element to this? It's, it's a good thing to clarify. It's actually the opposite. Oh, the reason okay. she came up with the term ASMR was to move away from the misleading older term of head orgasm or brain orgasm. Ah, okay. So the very right. first discussions about this sensation before it was named ASMR happened in 2007 on the website steadyhealth.com. And people there were talking about, hey, I get this weird sensation that feels good. And they described these examples of receiving positive personal attention from another person. The second person in that forum thread just threw out this, this term head orgasm, but immediately followed by, 
but it doesn't feel sexual. It just feels almost lightly enjoyable like an orgasm. Okay. And so that term kind of stuck because media, of course, loved that term. Gotcha. And so, you know, all these articles that were written about this, um, they'd love to put that in the headline. And then in 2010, the ASMR community or the community of people that experienced this were not happy with this term for the most part. Right. And so this one leader of the community came up with the term ASMR to move away from the term of orgasm because it was misleading. Well, Dr. Richard, your PhD is in physiology. So regarding the physiology and the chemical components, mm-hmm. you have endorphins and you have oxytocin that I presume would be in- involved. Am I correct in that or am I in error? You're, I, I agree with you. Unfortunately, no one's shown yet what are the neurotransmitters and neurohormones that are involved. But endorphins and oxytocin, I'd put my money on that. If you were to say to somebody, I want to invite you into this world, I want you to be a part of this world, and I want to give you a good start, like somebody perhaps who is a connoisseur of fine wine, and they might say to a friend or a couple that come to visit them, say, we're going to start with this Chardonnay. It is the best, and here's why. Uh, with the assumption that most likely it's it's going to be well-received. For my listeners, your listeners, our listeners at this very moment, if you were to say to this audience, I would start out with this as your first ASMR listening experience, what would it be? That's a great question of, you know, where do you start? Because there are so many artists that are on YouTube, so many choices of ASMR videos and ASMR artists. I would recommend the one you mentioned earlier, Maria Gentle Whispering. She's been doing it for a very long time. Her productions are very high quality, and she has a big variety of styles. So if you like whispering, she's got whispering. If you like gentle voice, she has that. If you want to try tapping and crinkling and um, other types of different scenarios, then she has a great variety. And keep in mind that if... She doesn't do it for you. It might, it might be her style. It might be her persona, though most people do find her fantastic. But move on and try other artists. It's interesting that you call them artists. Uh, where does the artistry come in? Yeah, because they're basically pretending to know you. you know, so they are mm-hmm. actors. They mm-hmm. are acting. And this is, to me, what's so fascinating about ASMR videos is it makes sense that in the real world, your partner or your best friend or your parent can talk to you gently and relax you, right? You know that person, you have a relationship with that person. But these artists on YouTube are pretending to know you. They're pretending to be your best friend or your clinician or your teacher. And so they are acting and that is artistry. One of my favorite sounds is the sound of a cat purring. And I will, after a long day, often come home and make myself a cup of tea and I'll just sit down and recline on a couch. And invariably, my cat Oliver would jump up on me, or Emmy, one of the two cats, but usually Oliver. And it doesn't take long before it ensues with a... I just made that noise myself. And um, and I do not claim artistry here. I haven't risen to that point yet, but we'll work at it. So, and the purring sound is is absolutely delightful and lulls me into a sense of contentment that matches presumably my cat. Has there been any attempts to replicate or actually record the sounds of animals, ASMR, as, as a technique to, uh, I suppose, engender a, a sense of contentment? Yeah, they, they have made, they meaning people on the internet, have created videos of animals purring, also animals chewing and eating and cleaning themselves, and posted these as ASMR videos. I don't know yet, or it is not known, if you can experience what we're calling the sensation of ASMR from an animal. Because right now, the strictest definition of ASMR is that it's another human who's providing kind, caring attention towards you while also making gentle sounds and using a gentle voice. Can an animal do that? That's unclear at this point. It is relaxing, just like nature sounds are relaxing and listening to, you know, ocean surf and raindrops can be relaxing. But those don't have human components. And so there appears to be this difference in the type of relaxation that's induced. 
there's not a big report that I've heard so far of people feeling the signature brain tingles during things like listening to purring or listening to nature sounds. So at this point, it's unclear if non-human sounds can stimulate ASMR. With all endeavours, artistic or otherwise, there are those who have standards and they want to see other people adhere to those standards. Are there some people who claim to be in the ASMR, if you will, realm and world, who you think are actually substandard and do not have an entitlement to use that term for what they're producing? It's just like so horrid that you think this is wrong to put up on YouTube and to describe as ASMR. Have you ever encountered that? Yeah, there's always opinions on, you know, whether it's the quality of the ASMR production or the authenticity of the ASMR production. What One thing that surprised me was, or is that I thought like all sounds initially would have to be like slow, you know, like the, the slower they are, the better, because that's less threatening, therefore more relaxing. But there are these ASMR artists that will do fast tapping and fast crinkling, and there's people that really enjoy that. So there does seem to be a lot of variety of what can stimulate ASMR. Where I personally and or professionally draw the line is if there's no human involved. If you don't see a human or hear a human, then I don't think that's ASMR. But as long as you have a human, and they have a kind, caring disposition. And the sounds they're making are mostly gentle. Within that formula, there's a lot of freedom. Dr. Craig Richard, your research is not only interesting and fascinating, but ultimately I believe it's important because you are offering and examining how people can have greater comfort in their lives. Mm -hmm. And certainly that is a most welcomed thing in this day and age. I want to thank you so much for being with us. You have a website. Would you tell us about your website and how people can reach it, please? Yeah, my website is asmruniversity.com. And you just plug in that URL and you'll find it right away or just plug in ASMR University into a search engine and you'll find it. And it has all the publications about ASMR. It has the art of ASMR and interviews with ASMR artists and the history of ASMR and a lot of a other information about it. Well, I'm tempted to say, being a follically challenged man, that the next time you get your hair done, please think of me. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Craig Richard, you've been an utter delight. Thank you so very much for uh, being with us on Watching America and blessings. Thank you very much, Alan. Take care. to see Dr. GB? Yes, this is the Cranial Nerve Hospital. We have lots and lots and lots of doctors here, but I'm Dr. GB's receptionist. Can I get a first name and last name from you? Awesome. And it looks like your appointment time is in about five minutes. Thank you for showing up early. Ladies and gentlemen, in pursuit of this conversation about asthma or ASMR, we have a leading contributor uh, who has certainly established a name for herself in such realm. Her name is GB. And GB spelled incidentally G-I-B-I. She has produced, in league with some partners, a new app, as a matter of fact, which is called Z's. And moreover, she is known for, well, taking on the personas of many different created um, agents. For instance, on one of her programs, uh, one of her asthma programs, she has been a TSA agent that checks your bag. And another one, she has been a little witch who makes you a special potion. She's also done a cranial nerve exam, an international first flight attendant, I might add. She's also been a checkout clerk at a pet store. She's also been Lorelei's Siren Songs specialist. Okay, so she's got this character she's assumed called Lorelei. 
and she has siren songs. Also, in addition to this, she has been aboard a dark, stormy pirate ship, and she invites you to be a part of it as well. So please, welcome the very lovely, entertaining and charming GB. Welcome to Watching America, GB. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, let's start with how you became involved with this phenomenon. Absolutely. I've actually been watching ASMR for almost 10 years now, which is pretty crazy to me. But I was a very anxious high schooler back in 2010, and I would watch YouTube videos on my phone to fall asleep. And one of these days, I was looking for something a little bit quieter because, um, you know, things kept waking me up. They weren't really designed for sleep. And I stumbled upon the Whisper community, and it was just a video of somebody whispering. And I found it so pleasant that I started doing some Wikipedia Googling. You know, people were bringing up the term ASMR. And I realized that this phenomenon was something that I'd felt my entire life, this very pleasant sensation of certain people talking or making sounds or even visual movements. And I never was able to put that into words. And I was just baffled that other people felt the same way. And um, it's been incredible how, how... huge the community has become, but I've been watching it since 2010, and I started my own channel in 2016. Were you a little intimidated doing your very first one? I was. I actually made my first video a few years before my channel launched. I shot a video, looked at the footage, and deleted it off the camera. Okay. All right. Well, there there is a curious aspect to this. I mean, we've spoken to a few experts already for the program. And one of the things that is curious to me is the video element. Now, I understand as a means of distribution, many people, for instance, would go to YouTube. And by going to YouTube, they would get the audio. Uh, you can blank out your own television screen with most menus. And so people, would, if they choose at night, they can blank out the, the screen. But I understand primarily it's designed for earbuds. But So it's more of a means of distribution. And yet there is quite a, a, a degree of attention given to the visuals. Uh, you know, everything from obviously green screen in the background to having images that come up. But actual movements. Now, could you please explain to me, and I've seen you do it and I've seen others do it, the flittering of the fingers. W- w- what does that represent? I mean, here you have, you know, like a, a, a Yeti microphone and the flickering of the fingers going all around it. W- what does that signify? I actually started doing that just sort of as a, I don't, I don't even know why I started, but I type very fast. I play the piano. So, you know, when I was trying to say hello to my viewers, you know, I couldn't be loud like other YouTubers are. So I, I just, you know, I was excited to be there. So I just sort of moved my finger. I said, oh, hello. And um, people were like, oh, I love what you do with, with your hands in the beginning of the video. And they I called see. it finger fluttering. So now I do it all the time. And, and people actually request that I do it right. Well, it reminds me of actually American Sign Language, because for in American Sign Language, when you want to indicate applause, as you probably know, um, you flicker the, the fingers back and forth or the hands go uh, at a, a great oscillation backwards and forwards. And so it's very similar to that. But it's a very feminine gesture and, uh, and, and, and quite lovely when you do it. So uh, I'll, I'll grant you that. Um, how much do you concentrate on the visual versus the, the audio aspects to it? Because you, you use makeup, you have different settings, you use costumes, you use wigs. Do you ever feel that one should take precedence over the other? I tend to lean towards um, the visuals because I like to make an immersive experience. A lot of channels will do things um, where they really like to focus on the sound. I do like to focus on the visuals as well. I think they're both equally important. So when I, you know, I'm doing a character, I want people to, if they're pulling up that video full screen, to almost feel like they're there. And do you find it helps you to actually, uh, if you will, take on the character as many actors enjoy wearing a costume? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it helps me as well. And where do you get your costumes from? Do you, do, do you go out on a search and say, I've got this theme, this idea, I'm going to go and look for this particular costume? Or do you sometimes find a costume and that's the genesis of actually a characterization? That's so funny that you say that because, yes, I will buy wigs that I think are pretty and then I will make a character from that. So Lorelai, my mermaid siren character, I saw this wig and I was like, oh, I just want an excuse to wear that wig and it looks like something a mermaid would wear. Yes. Now that's for him. So how did you come up with the name Lorelei? Why, why that one in particular? It was from my favorite poem, uh, to Lorelei, um, about a siren. 
it was an old German poem that I learned in German class in college, so I, I picked that for her. Okay, so there's a, a literary derivative from it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, you have some really intriguing things. One is uh, a witness protection program. Now, um, how do you construct these? I mean, you, obviously, it's a lot of whispering and one gestures like this from left to right. But how do you come up with the aspect of the witness protection element? Well, that is a character called Daisy that I made accidentally, actually, um, quite a few years ago. And people really liked that she was a little less serious and sort of bouncing around these um, sort of ridiculous scenarios Um Especially ridiculous for, you know, the, the thought of making them relaxing. So Daisy has been all over the place doing different jobs. And somehow in the timeline, she ended up in, in witness protection. And I thought that would be just hilarious. And I really like to focus on <coughs> the entertainment <coughs> excuse me, the entertainment aspect as well. Because when I'm watching ASMR and, and trying to fall asleep, I, I like to be distracted um, by what they're saying in the storyline. Because it sort of shuts my brain down. So sometimes I like to make people laugh or, or just put them in, in a situation that they might not be in otherwise. I want to ask you about something that uh, we, we hear quite a few, frankly, people uh, downplay or deny. There is a, a type of eroticism to this. And, you know, I've had various persons say, oh, no, there isn't. It's just a, it's a, it's a diversion, as you've just indicated. It's to go to sleep. It's, it's sensory. Uh, it's playing with the mind and what have you. But very few of us experience people whispering in our ear or simulating putting a tongue in our ear unless we're with a lover or a spouse or a significant other in bed. So in all candor, do you think there is, in fairness, an undeniable eroticism usually or at least half the time in these these affairs? I agree that it's definitely um, perhaps an experience that you wouldn't be able to have before the creation of the internet, it, you know, it lets you experience a lot of things. And I do think that ASMR can range from, you know, somebody's hand tapping on a block, which is, we would all agree, not intimate or sexual or anything. Unless you're a woodpecker. Unless, you know, maybe that's your thing. And then um, uh, my videos, I, I would describe a lot of them as intimate because I'm so close to you or it feels like I am, especially with the whispering or if I'm pretending to touch your face. I think that can be intimate, but intimate in the way that, you know, your mother rubs your back as she puts you to bed. And if people would like to incorporate a sexual aspect to it, I think that it just is a different subgenre of ASMR. Um, just like a lot of people make things sexual, mm-hmm. it's like going to get a massage. Uh, right. Your lover can give you a sexual massage in bed. But if you go to a professional setting and act like it's supposed to be sexual, you're going to get kicked out. I'm intrigued also by um, your uh, employing various settings, for instance, like the Japanese convenience store. How did you come up with that one? It's something that I experienced myself when I visited Japan. I loved their convenience stores. I thought they were really cool and had interesting things in them. And so uh, I've made almost 500 videos by now, so I'm, I'm always ready to try something different or even like, seemingly random. Okay. A, a very intriguing one for me, uh, GB, was the the one with old auntie takes you to lunch. And <laughs> that was very curious. It could go in, in any one of a number of directions. And I, 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 I thought that that was extremely creative. What made you come up with that? Do you, in fact, have an old auntie that took you to lunch? That was actually derived from a bag of mystery items that a fellow ASM artist sent me for our secret Santa. Her name is Emma Whispers Red, and she's a prolific channel as well. And she sent me a bag. She sent me this rainbow wig and all the props that were used in that video. And she said, I dare you to make a video with this. And I was like, oh, what do I do with a chopstick and a rainbow wig and a, you know, a fan? And so it was, it was actually a really fun challenge. And so um, because she had so many random items, I wanted to come up with a very eccentric character. So is just sort of born. Now, um, with your characterizations that you have, do you do you ever entertain the idea, may I even dare say it, of uh, eliminating them and, and writing them off and saying never to return again or, or at least giving them a, a semi-retirement? I will, I will retire a character if I don't have an idea that I'm excited to get behind. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've never written off a character completely, but it's been a couple of years since I've done a few of them, and I haven't felt the desire to bring them back anytime soon. Another interesting set- setting you developed was Cupid's Romantic Hotel Check-In. Uh, how did you envision that one? I wanted to do something fun for Valentine's Day, and I actually had an idea for that script to make Cupid very uh, cynical and have it sort of be like a, an ironic, angry, lonely hotel. Um, but while I was shooting it, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so I sort of, I sort of warped it around to have her be quite bubbly and it be more of a <clears throat> almost science fiction love experience where, you know, you're checking into a hotel and it's almost like a, a combination of online dating and love convention. Do you ever worry about weirdos, to put it just simple? Uh, or simply, do you ever worry about weirdos communicating with you, trying to find you? Uh, there are people that we know who watch soap operas, uh, and they watch a soap opera, and they don't realize that these are fictional characters, and so they send them birthday cards and cakes and things and, and just can't seem to differentiate between reality and mediated creation. Do you ever have some persons that perhaps write to you or contact you who seem to have this blur of distinction between fantasy versus reality? And if so, has it ever been disturbing? Yeah, it's crucial to protect your privacy on the internet, no matter what you do. I've talked to a lot of YouTubers. They, you know, if people consider ASMR intimate, these channels are far from it. And, you know, they're men who talk about video games or talk about, you know, they're being silly. And they, as well, get messages and people trying to find out where they live and you know trying to send them things in the mail and things like that it's a universal experience which i think is very unfortunate because it's becoming normalized when it really shouldn't be um so i very much value my privacy i try to keep any private messages um closed so there's really just no opportunity for them and luckily i've done a fairly good job you know there's of course been people We've been on the creepy side, but I've gotten fairly lucky. Let me ask you, GB, and let me remind, first of all, our listening audience that this is Watching America, and I'm your host, Dr. Alan Campbell, and my guest is GB. She is one of the prominent personalities uh, known to work in ASMR, or asthma, as some people will just use it, but it's <laughs> very close to the breathing disorder, it sounds like. So I think many people prefer to say ASMR. And she has a multiplicity of characters. She is perhaps one of the most prolific personalities and creators of the genre. And she works primarily to try and bring about favorable positive triggers that are sensory, that one can experience by implied events that don't happen actually, but auditory triggers that will bring about a feeling of satisfaction or lull to sleep or in some way quietening the soul, if you will, and the psyche. You have started Z's as a new app, and I'd like to give you an opportunity to describe exactly what that is, please. Z's was born from the lack of uh, space for ASMR creators. The community started to grow so massively. Um, I started my own channel in 2016, and you know, even just a few years ago, I feel like I knew every ASMR channel out there. And now it's grown into something so much bigger. We've sort of outgrown the space of YouTube. We've had a lot of issues with communication, um, monetization, and um, a lack of features that are more sleep-friendly. So I wanted to create um, sort of a, a premium app for the the more ASMR connoisseur, I would say. If you're really looking for something extra uh, or the best way to view and listen and fall asleep to ASMR, I wanted to make that space. So I started the idea of an app where I could put all of my content. It wouldn't have to be advertisements. And I wanted to bring in uh, a bunch of other ASM artists who have amazing content and sort of have it as a mini social media platform that all of our content is on that you can watch and enjoy without ads and all these wonderful sleep features um, designed just for ASMR. What do you think, GB, is the greatest misconception about what you do and this genre in general? 
People treat ASMR as a fad because it seems a little quirky, different, and, um, you know, weird, quite honestly. And people will see it and, and write it off and not really take the time to understand what it is. But because I've been around the community for 10 years, and even I wasn't there at the beginning, um, I've just seen the, the massive growth. And it's, it's incredible that ASMR is now almost a household name. You know, you're seeing commercials, celebrities, advertisements based in ASMR. And that was something that, you know, we didn't imagine would ever happen 10 years ago. Um, and just, just the growth of it has been amazing because it really truly does help people. And, and a range, a range of, of, of help, I think, from just basic stress relief and from entertainment. People will email me that it helps them with their PTSD. People will tell me that they use it to practice eye contact because they have autism. Or it's, it's just, it's unfathomable how many different people can benefit from watching ASMR. I mean this in the most benign way, and I'm <clears> sincere <throat> in that. Um, do you think you perform as a service for lonely people? And by that, I don't mean physically lonely or sexually lonely, yeah. just lonely people in general, that they find a form of friendship in the familiarity of your face, your image, and your voice, whispering I or think, otherwise. I think that can be a huge part of it. It really reminds me of when, you know, you finish an eight-season TV show and, and you sort of feel like the characters are your friends. And, and putting on a video where somebody is, is talking to you is is incredible. And I've used it when I'm feeling lonely myself. And, you know, you don't want to sit in a, in a quiet, dark room um, sometimes it's nice to just have a person's voice. GB, thank you so very much for joining us on Watching America. I wish you great success. Uh, I doth my hat to the fact that you are a creator. You're an artist, you're an actor, producer, writer, and uh, indeed, in general, as Fengali for a particular genre. And we're so glad that you spent this time with us. Thank you so very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Watching America. Our theme music is provided by Razorlight. Our recording engineer is Todd Washburn. Our producer, Paul Bebo. Our senior producer is Gina Gamboni. Our executive producer, Chuck Dowd. Heather Mazzoni is chief of content. And Bert Schmidt is our CEO. I am the series creator and host, Alan Campbell. Until next time, take care and blessings. right up in here. I'll just put in a little, a little tiny, little tiny water is right there. This is just a light area between the two darks. It sort of separates. It also looks like little places where snow's laying out in the water. There. There we go. That nice. Maybe there's a big old thing out in here. Whatever. It's up to you. Up to you. All right, let's have some fun. Time to get crazy. Let's mix up some Prussian blue. Watching America is a production of WHRV Public Media in Norfolk, Virginia.